thank, want to thank everyone. want to thank the Konchenko family. Uh, the second verse was in Russian because that is their native tongue. And so it's a, we're glad to have them as part of our family here. This morning, we're thinking about mothers. And as I thought about my mother, this is what I came up with. Now, not, not what you think when I show you. I, I don't want you to get any wrong ideas about what my mother was like. My, my mom passed away a few years ago. I preached her funeral there in Montana. This is not what she looked like, but there's a characteristic about this clown. You know, I, I, our family, all of us hate clowns. We do. But there's a characteristic about this that reminds me of my mother. And my mother grew up in a home where there were 11 kids. They they lived in a soddy uh, out in South Dakota that they cut into the bank and they made, uh, they traveled uh, by, when she was a little girl, she traveled in a covered wagon uh, from South Dakota back to Minnesota up there by uh, Palisade, north of uh, over there, uh, Aiken, Palisade. They lived in the woods and and, but then they wound up back out in South Dakota and grew up there. A tough existence for my mother. Tough physically, tough uh, in that she, she grew up uh, in an incestuous relationship with her father and protecting all of her younger sisters. She, was, she had an older brother, but all of her younger sisters trying to protect them, not being able to protect them. Uh, seeing one of her younger sisters had to, to go and live with another relative because she was pregnant. And it was just a, a rough existence for my mom. But I never knew all of that. I just knew mom loved us kids. We had, uh, she was asked to speak at a uh, about being a mother at a ladies' conference in Montana. And she went and she said, uh, I only have eight credentials for being up here. And it's Dean and Darla and Angie and Vern and Dave and Judy and Roxy and Rhonda. Those were her eight, eight kids. And we knew, what, what's the characteristic of this individual to my mom? Well, no matter how often they get hit, they keep coming back. No matter what happens to them, they come and they have a, a, a smile on their face. Uh, they just, they can get beat up, they can get criticized, they can get yelled at. Uh, moms are that way. And, it, and it's tough to be a mom. But ladies are that way, whether they're moms or not. And I'm looking here in Scripture, I'd like you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. I've looked at this passage a number of times, but I was going to preach about this, this mom who uh, takes care of her son that dies, holds the son in her lap until he, he, he expires, he dies, 
And then he, she lays her son down on the bed and she says, calls her husband and says, Give me, get me a servant to bring a, a donkey. And he, she gets on the donkey and she rides and rides across country. She finally finds Elisha and, and uh, she won't stop for Elisha's servant. She goes right to Elisha and all kinds of lessons in there. But we're not going to get to those. We're going to visit her before she has kids and see that she's developed characteristics that would be good for all of us to have but seem to be accentuated in the lives of ladies or women here. And we're going to start with verse 8. I've had good examples. My mom was a good example. Yet for 40, almost 42 years, Cindy's mom was my mom. She sat under my ministry before she passed away a few years ago, sat and she was part of my ministry in Minneapolis and then up here and just a, a good example of a mom for me. And so I say thank you moms for mine and for Cindy's as well and the good examples they have been to me. So we've got good examples of ladies with children, good examples of ladies without children in Scripture for us. And I, I thought about, you know, uh, you know, Miriam was Moses' sister. We don't know that she ever had any kids, but she took care of Moses. Moses, uh, when Moses was a baby. Uh, Deborah, the soldier of, uh, the lady soldier of Israel, or woman soldier, uh, Ruth for years, and then she had some, then Hannah for years, and then she had a child. Uh, Miss Dunrood, my second grade teacher, and she taught me how to concentrate and to, to uh, read and write better. Uh, Miss Billings, and she had done, Miss, Miss Dunroot had no kids. Miss Billings had no kids. She was my third grade teacher, and she taught me bladder control because uh, she was eight feet tall and weighed 400 pounds, and when she dropped her, her book on your desk, it was all you could do to contain yourself. Uh, so she taught me, we learn these lessons from ladies in our, in our church, uh, in our lives. And so uh, I want to thank you ladies and what you have taught me and helped me and prayed for me many times. Uh, and for those without kids, Paul says, if you don't have kids, it is a good thing because you can dedicate yourself wholly to the service of the king or the Lord. And Paul says that that, that is okay. That is your calling, and you will be rewarded for that. So I want to read about this example in 2 Kings 4, beginning with verse 8. Uh, I will read through verse 22, or might quit, quit sooner than that, but beginning with verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a wealthy, a great woman, wealthy, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the roof, or it says on the wall in my translation, on the roof, and let us set for him there a bed, 
and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us, he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he called her, she stood before him, and he said unto unto his servant, said unto Gehazi, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us, with you've taken care of us for all with all this care. What is it to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. I think we'll just stop stop there. Let's pray. Father, as we look at these verses, help us to understand Uh, something about this woman and recognize that these characteristics that would benefit us in your service, things that you would desire we develop, please. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So what do we see about this woman? What characteristic? The first one that I noticed was that she uh, was observant of the people around her. Um. Who's taking care of this man of God? Verse 8, she, she constrained him. She looks around, says, uh, as Elijah was passing through, she says, I perceive, verse 9, I perceive that this is a holy man. And she's watching people around her. She observes that here's somebody that has a need. Now, even before, in verse 8, she's already uh, 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 treating him or feeding him and so she observes this guy, who's going to take care of him? Uh, the ladies, you have a, an ability that I believe men don't have, or most of us don't have. The ability, uh, the observation, an intuition. You know, sometimes uh, Cindy will come to me and say, hey, do you know what's going on with so-and-so? They just look sad. Oh, didn't notice. Uh, maybe you ought to go visit them. Oh, now I find out, yeah, they're going through something that is very difficult. The, uh, we have deaconesses that are observant. Watch, we have ladies in charge of the uh, funeral luncheons and the ladies that are in charge of uh, the, uh, the uh, shower, baby showers and wedding showers, and, and they're, they're keeping track of what's going on in the family because the, us guys, we... You know, this, her husband barely knew that uh, uh, what was going on. He probably passed Moses, uh, Elisha a number of times and, and said, Hey, hey, how you doing? Good. That's good. See ya. See ya. And that's it. This woman, she walks by and says, Who's taking care of this man? Who's giving him something to eat? Who's meeting His needs. Ladies have this intuition, an observation of people. A second characteristic, I see her compassion for the hungry. (laughs) Now, it says uh, here, she constrained him to eat bread. Typical woman, I would say. Because uh, you feel bad, come and eat. Hey, you, you sprained your ankle? Hey, come and eat. Hey, uh, so-and-so is, is gone now for the week? Hey, come and eat. They constra- you can just constrain us to eat. That is your remedy for everything is just, just eat. And that's okay. That's what constrained him. 
I can hear Elisha saying, now we're okay. I mean, we just, we're just going to go on our way. We're going to go to the next town. No, you're not. You're coming to the house. You're going to eat. I'm constraining you to eat. You're going to eat bread. I hope, I hope it was uh, whole wheat bread. Uh, or he would be heavy. So every time he comes by there, he is constrained to go in and eat there. So she has compassion for the hungry. She has compassion for the needy. Verse 10, let us make a little chamber. Let's make a place where they can come. Elisha and his servant can come and they can rest. They can have a break. He can have a place to study. I'm not sure she, if she did this because she likes to decorate, but she's already making plans. Hey, I'll decorate it. You know, I'll, I'll get the table. We'll go to garage sales. We'll find uh, a chair for them. We'll find a lampstand to put on the table. Hey, this will be great, honey. You know, uh, you just uh, give me the money and, and we'll, we'll build this for the needy. Uh, ladies, you notice the needy more than we do. As men, compassion, have compassion. That is a great quality to have, a compassion. And let me do encourage you, let me tell you that you will show compassion to those who let you down. But that's okay. Uh, we will help people that will take advantage of us. But that's okay. Because we're not doing it for that person. God has given us this compassion. And so we're doing it for God. If we give somebody a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus Christ, and they dump it out on the ground, that, that's not, that has, shows nothing against us. We say, that's okay, because I gave it in Jesus' name. And whatever they do with it, that is, you know, God can deal with them, and God can keep working on them, and God does. And, and many times later we find that it was because of the compassion that was shown that brings them back to the Lord. And so if he puts it in your heart to be compassionate, be compassionate. If he puts, you know, sometimes he puts it in my heart, you need to, to help this individual, and then I find out, ah, oh, it was just, I was abused. doesn't matter. I gave it to God. He can uh, deal with the, that person any way he wants. I just want to have a compassionate heart, and I want you to as well. And so we see her observation of people. We see her compassion for the hungry and for the needy. We see her perception of the godly. I see that this man, I perceive that this man is a holy man of God. Now, ladies are generally more uh, perceptive than men. And, and I say this because there are some churches, in our church it is not this way, but there are some churches that are made up of 80 or 90% women. And where are their husbands? Well, the, the women are just sensitive to spiritual things. Now, I, I pray that every woman here has placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Because God has given you a special 
uh, sense in this area. And, and so if you are saying, no, I don't need Christ, or uh, I'm good enough by myself, or uh, I can do it on my own, you're missing out on what God's desire is for you. Uh, I pray that you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that for the husbands as well. I pray for you wives that have husbands have, who have not seen their need of a Savior. And you're probably praying all day long or every day you're praying, Lord, might my husband see they need Jesus. And uh, so I pray for you as well because you're, perspe- uh, you're, you're uh, perceptive to godly things, which makes it difficult for husbands who get saved and maybe are way behind their wives spiritually. And yet their wives want a spiritual leader and their husband is saying, I, I'm trying to catch up. I, I, I can't lead you spiritually yet. Uh, so you help him do that. Show him what a spiritual wife ought to be like and is like. Uh, according to 1 Peter chapter 3 and, the, and in Titus as well, it gives us information about this. Uh, so... A note to husbands, if your wife is spiritually sensitive, listen to her. Let her help you. Follow her lead if you need to until you catch up spiritually. So we see her observation of those around her, her people, her compassion for hungry and needy. We see her perception of the godly. We see here generosity to the weary, verse 10. Let us make a place where he can rest. And, uh, but lastly, that, that we're going to look at today, is verse 13. He said unto his servant Gehazi, who said unto her, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for? To the king or to the captain of the hosts? So what's, what's, the, uh, what's Elijah, Elisha saying here? He is saying, okay, we, could, we can help you here. We can get you in to where you could be part of the king's cabinet. Or you, uh, you could be part of the king's household. You could live in the palace uh, if you want. Or you can be taken care of in the, in the uh, soldier barracks. Uh, you can be, get an increase. You can get a raise in your, in your salary. We can take care of you here with this promotion. What is her response? And I was so thankful for the song that was sung up here with the, little, with the kids and the choir as well. You're part of a family of faith. She answers and says, she doesn't have any kids. And yet she answers and says, I dwell among my own people. No, thank thank you, but no, thank you. I dwell among my own people. What is that? Women tend to recognize the importance of family. Recognize how important family, immediate family, yes, but more than that. I, if I said, okay, men, 
if your wife had to say, come on, honey, let's go to church today to you, probably there would be a number of hands come up because they recognize the importance of family, church family, the family of faith. They recognize that. Uh, I, I hope you recognize it. And wives, don't give up on your husbands. Keep reminding them Saturday that you're going to be going to church on Sunday. Let them know that. Let the kids know. I know the work falls to moms to get the kids all ready, usually. Get the kids all ready and, and, and get them ready. Take them to church. We had five kids, and since I was a pastor, it was always Cindy's responsibility. Get them there. Have them dressed properly. Uh, make sure that they're, uh, everything's taken care of. She took care of all of that. So some of you are Sunday morning widows, just like she has been for all of these years. Uh, but you understand the importance of family. This is important. Have your kids in our Sunday school classes, learning the Bible stories, learning the Bible, memorizing. You see the importance of that. And so I pray for you moms, and I pray for you ladies. This lady doesn't even have a child yet, but she sees the importance of family. Hold tight. They might walk away. Keep praying for them. They might leave you. The pew might, next to you might be empty because your spouse has died. Hang in there. Be faithful. Um, God does answer prayer. Keep praying. Women tend to be more of the prayer warriors. I thank you, ladies, for that. We, in our Sunday school class this morning, uh, the speaker shared a, a story of a mom that got a phone call from the school. Her daughter was sick, and so uh, she had to go pick her up. And she went and picked up her daughter from school, and, and uh, uh, she called the doctor, and the doctor said, I just, I'm swamped today, but uh, it's going around, and so I can give you a prescription. And so she took her daughter home. Her daughter was in middle school, and so she just laid down on the couch, and mom ran to the, the drugstore to get uh, the prescription. And she got there. She ran in. She got it. She got back out to the car and realized she had locked her keys into the car. And she, uh, she called her daughter to tell her why she was going to be late. And the daughter said, well, you know, I've seen it on TV. Just get a coat hanger, one of those wire hangers. And you stick it down through the, the window and you, hit, you grab the latch and you unlock it and nothing to it. And so she went back into the store and she got a hanger and she was trying and trying and just wasn't working at all. And she just reached the point where she said, dear God, there's nothing I can do. Will you please send somebody to help me? Just as she was finishing praying, a, an old car pulled up alongside of her, and a scruffy guy got out, and she looked at him and, and said, Sir, can you help me? And the guy said, Well, what do you need? And she said, I locked the keys in my car, and I'm trying to, I've got this coat hanger and trying to unlock the door. And, and he said, uh, Sure, give me the hanger. Just a matter of a, a minute, he had the door open. And she said, she said, you, you are, I gave him a big hug and said, you are such a good man. And he said, uh, 
no, ma'am, I'm not. I just got out of prison this morning. And he went on into the store, and she looked up to heaven and said, God, thank you for sending me a professional. <laughs> God answers prayer. Don't quit. If you want to see other characteristics that are good for all of us, just continue on with that story. Let's uh, close with a word of prayer. Before I pray, I do want to, with your heads bowed, eyes closed. So it's just you and God and me. Have you recognized you needed a Savior? Has there been something that's happened to say, you know, I can't live with this sin any longer? Have you given your sin to Jesus and replaced for his righteousness? If you haven't, that's the most important decision you can make because that will count for eternity. Every soul has one of two places to go when the body dies. One is to heaven and the other is to a place prepared for the devil and his angels, which is called hell. And because of our sin and this, this obstruction between us and a holy God, if we do not deal with that sin or let Jesus deal with that sin, then we will spend eternity in a literal hell. If we cry out and say, Jesus, forgive me, save me, he did the work already on the cross for us. He died the perfect sacrifice for us. And he gives us his righteousness in replace uh, of our sin. So if you have not done that, will you cry out to him right now in the, in the pew? You can just pray, Lord, forgive me of my sin and save me. Thank you for dying on the cross. And your sins will be forgiven. You will be made new, a new creation in Christ. You'll still struggle with that sin nature, but you had a, you've got new life in Christ. Lord, you know the hearts of each one here. Men or women, boys or girls, you know whether they have called on the name of the Lord to be saved. We're asking that they might, they might do that this morning, please. What a celebration that would be for mothers if they see uh, their children drawn to you. Or for uh, wives to see their husbands come to know you. Uh, or maybe they need to come to know you. So, Father, work in hearts, please, in Jesus' name. Amen.